0: Pro Wrestling Podcast, CBS Sports, back in your ear hole, and the voice you hear indeed, the Brian Campbell 2020, a new year, a new leaf has been turned over, a new health in BC's life. Stop eating out of those gas stations, all right? Let's make this a clean living year, back from the brink after about with flu and pneumonia over the past two weeks, and like I mentioned, back on this pro wrestling kick. Why? Why? We'll get to that. But I'm here now. That's all that matters. Please, folks, if you love this show, if you love what Jack Crosby and the Silver King's been doing on the pro wrestling side while I've been angry, please, five-star review, spread it forward. Holidays are over, but you can still gift us. We are back, and we're back with a bang. Why do you get gifted with the voice of bc because it was wrestle kingdom 14 and jpw the steak was back on the damn grill bc's gonna sit here and pepper it for you and bring in my brohams to recap a raw that uh i watched i watched it i might be on my back i don't know we're gonna get to that but hey let's do it i'm fired up let's do this The man sitting next to me, well, not in real life, but you get what I'm saying, is my co-host. You hear his voice often. Let's bring that guy in. Say hello
1: to the bad guy.
0: Oh, yeah. He owns a home. He loves. McMahon created wrestling. His name is the Silver King, Adam Silverstein.
2: Hey now, we're getting a lot of new stuff from BC today. He's healthy, he's energetic, you're not totally pale, you have a smile on your face. I don't know what happened with the turn of the year, uh, but it looks like listening to your wife pays off, and I'm happy that BC is here uh to join the first official wrestling show of twenty
0: twenty. Yeah, I mean look all seriousness because uh, you know, not taking care of yourself is serious. Uh you battle pneumonia for a week, man. You you go down that road. And you come back in one piece, you're like, you know, I'm happy to be alive. I'm happy to bring it. Maybe that means good news for all you BC haters out there who love you some pro wrestling. But, hey, let's not waste any more time. There is a third man on this show.
3: Is he the third man? He's the third man. What the hell is going on here?
0: From northeast Pennsylvania, a yingling enthusiast. It is Blackjack Crosby. Cros, what's happening, bro?
1: BC, I too am glad to have you back. You're you're bet you're you're ready to go. You've had a weekend in New Japan. You got a little good raw under your belt. Let's we let's roll on this. Let's do well, it. You
0: know, I came back from the brink of death and I started to think. I mean, look, it, like I said, new year, no limits, right? Maybe start fresh. Maybe the anger. I mean look, people know my differences with WWE main roster creative. Maybe it's me, all right? Maybe maybe it's not maybe it's not fully them, okay? Maybe. I can give them a chance to start off the new year. And I started thinking about, there was once a guy on the show named Nick Costos. A lot of people know him. And he voiced maybe the most important sound drop in this show's history aimed at one Adam Silver King. Take the L and admit you're wrong because you sound ridiculous. And I think every once in a while, guys, we have to look in the mirror and consider taking that L because you sound ridiculous. And uh, I'll apologize to the audience. It was a rough year for my kind of wrestling, for my tolerance of the other kind of wrestling, and for my willingness to put up with it and attempt to entertain you in your ear hole with that performance-enhancing audio. So I'm not here to necessarily apologize for WWE or the things that I've said about them. <coughs> Yeah, you son of a bitch. No. I will apologize to the audience, and I will say this, guys. I thought about this at length, sick to my gourd over the weekend, but watching Wrestle Kingdom, really the first wrestling I sat down and watched, you know, hours upon hours in a month. And I said, This is everything I want in professional wrestling. But that's because of who I am and where I come from. My favorite wrestling as a kid, Jim Crockett Promotions. In reality, kind of looks a lot like New Japan Pro Wrestling. New Japan's better in a lot of ways, but it's that same professional sports men style. Hey, if you became a wrestling fan because of early 90s doink WWF or the Attitude Era, you may want a different kind of style. I am fighting WWE to get them to be the wrestling that I want from my youth, that's not a fight I can win. So we are in an era, guys, where there's so much damn wrestling on the tube. To a certain degree, we can pick and choose. And just because you don't like what I want, people, what I like, doesn't necessarily mean I have a more intelligent palate or you can't hear Jimmy. So Adam Silver King,
2: like whatever the hell you (laughs) want to like. (laughs) If Friday nights are for you, Adam. I love how that gets gets tossed to me, the guy whose favorite wrestling promotion out of all of us, I'm really the only one whose favorite promotion is NXT, which is the best wrestling we're getting pound for pound and the most sports-tuned entertainment that we're getting pound for pound across any of the promotions that exist right now, across any of the brands that exist right now. What you needed to apologize for was not being angry at the WWE product because the things you said, particularly like September, October, before Survivor Series, when things did kind of change, things really have gotten good in the lead-up to Survivor Series and since, was not so much your opinions but throwing a hissy fit and basically coming at it like this is all crap and not allowing yourself to find the good that existed. And I think what Jack and I have been discussing – for most of the shows that have existed without you in this period of time where you've been tired and traveling a lot and sick, all legitimate, by the way, um, it's that WWE right now has one show that is taking significant steps forward towards the type of wrestling that we want from WWE, not from New Japan, not from NXT, but from WWE. One show is doing that in the realm of 2016 SmackDown. The, the type of wrestling where you want to watch every single week because you want to know what's going to happen. You like the wrestlers and you're curious about the storylines. The other show is devolving into the old Raws that we used to have to put up with. The good news about this is the better show now is the three hour show. And the worst show is the short show that's on Friday night that we feel like, hey, you know what? If we want to go out, we can go out. We can fast forward through it on DVR. When we come home, we'll keep up with it when we're going to know what's happening. But we don't have to spend this huge chunk of our early week time investing into it. So for fans like me, who, yes, I do like WWE, I don't think there's any embarrassment to that. I talk about it all the time. Our listeners, the people listening to this right now, almost all of them watch every single episode of WWE television, Raw and SmackDown. So I like that product. But what we saw this weekend from New Japan said to me once again... They do something that no one else does. Not WWE, maybe close NXT, but not really. And certainly not AEW, in my opinion. They delivered compelling matches with storylines that did not need any of the extra BS that kept me fixated for the six hours I watched. I watched the final three hours of night one and the final three hours of night two.
0: Yeah, I mean, they made the matches feel so insanely important, and we'll get into that soon. But, you know, you're right about Friday nights. Look at all. Crap in this ring. But what get ga- what but you know quickly to put a bow on this Jacko, what gave me this sort of epiphany? And again, again, I'm coming clean this new year, Adam. If Friday nights end up becoming you again, that's fine. It's a gift. You can enjoy it, Muzzle. That's
1: fantastic news.
0: But Jacko, it was this polarizing wedding scene on Raw that I'm sure you guys broke down in recent weeks and everybody's been talking about, and I put my face back into the pie and watched it to give my own take. And of course, from my vantage point, I go watch that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's not for me. But then you see the hot takes come out, the stat guy Gregs of the world going, you know, actually, I love that. And I started, that's what really got my wheels turning. I said, that's not for me and it'll never be for me. But what if you're a fan who only started watching, let's say, in 99 or 2002 – and the first introduction to wrestling you got was like dirty old man Vince McMahon backstage with Trish Stratus. And you're like, that Jerry Springer-ish? That's what pro wrestling is to me. I realize that what pro wrestling is to me, Brian Campbell, are fake fights that are almost like MMA, but with blade jobs and men liking, acting like men. And that's fine, what Jack, all right? Jack, what that's J- fine, okay?
2: What, what Jack and I came to the conclusion of, and Jack will let you talk, but was – That has a place in professional wrestling. You don't have to like it, but one bad segment, if you think it's bad, does not mean the rest of the 243, two hours and 43 minutes of that show was bad. Just because you don't like whatever the main event was.
1: I will 100% take that crappy wedding angle if during the other parts of the show, you're going to promise me Alistair Black versus Buddy Murphy, Humberto Carrillo versus Andrade, Rey Mysterio versus Andrade, AJ Styles versus Humberto Carrillo, AJ Styles versus Randy Orton, and, and all this, other with the slew of talent they have on there. If you're going to, I didn't like the, way I hated the wedding angle. I went over it last week. But if you're going to give me that other stuff within that three hours, I'll deal with it. I'm, I, I will deal with it and accept it into my life and move on as soon as the show's over. But if you're going to give me all the other, the great wrestling that Ra has has given us and the way that this mid-card is being elevated slowly, slowly, and that's the key word, slowly. They're building these guys. I'll take it. I'll do it. I'll live with it.
2: And it's not just WWE. I hate the Dark Order. I think it's garbage, right? It's not trash TV like what we're talking about with Lana uh, and Lashley here, but I hate it. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to watch AEW and tune in for a pretty great six-man tag main event because the prior week uh, for their final show of 2019, they went home with a terrible Dark Order angle. Like, you have to be able to, just like when you watch Game of Thrones, if you don't like the direction that one storyline's going, it doesn't mean the rest of the show is crap, season eight notwithstanding. Um, <laughs> so I, I think people really need to compartmentalize that a little bit and... You know, you have people, Brian, and I, I kind of want to get your opinion on this before we do talk about Russell Kingdom and move on, because I do want your opinion on that wedding. Um, the larger part of our discussion, mine and Jack last week, was we thought it was bad. We didn't think it was the worst thing ever on WWE TV. We thought people were majorly exaggerating. One person said it was worse than Katie Vick, and everyone else took and ran with that and said that. I don't think it was worse than Katie Vick. I don't think it was in the same stratosphere as Katie Vick. Where did that sit for you in the pantheon of WWE bad slash trash angles?
0: And
3: speaking of nailing Katie
0: Vick. Uh, It was just straight up bad. I didn't think it was like break glass. But the problem was the timing. For There's two problems. One, the talent involved are so much better than that ish. And another problem was – and I like that we're sort of having this – uh almost like this wrestling therapy session right now. But it, it's kind of needed right now in 2020 when there's so much damn TV you have to watch if you want to be a so-called expert and have your own podcast. But a big problem with it was it was I was so busy in December. I had so much going on. The pressure of trying to watch all this stuff actually became overwhelming. It was like anxiety. It was like I had to get to a point where I was like, you know what? F this stuff. I'm not even going to catch up. I'm not even going to watch it. So when I tune in to try to watch and you get a segment (laughs) like that and you're just like, this is really where we're at. You're taking these performers who I know can do better. I've seen do better. And I know Paul Heyman is better than this. And you're just feeding us, you know, a bowl of fecal material. Um, You know, I wasn't mad at it, though, because. It was almost one of those so bad that you kind of laughed at certain parts of it. And again, I'm not, um, I'm not so one dimensional in my wrestling fandom that I can't fit weird stuff in. I mean, good God, you know, Adam, you always bring up the point of Kurt Angle, you know, expertly doing comedic stuff in the early 2000s, and all of wrestling has room for everything. And WWE when they are operating at a high level main roster you do get everything but yeah at the timing when i'm looking for wwe to grab me i'm looking for wwe to do what new japan did to me over the weekend was what remind me of what it could be like uh that was not it so that pushed me even further deeper into the depression but to put a bow on this what does this mean for your boy bc uh i don't know Some of you don't want me back and that's fine. You, you spoke. We always, look, we always speak honestly in this family. We put it right out in the open there. Um, I'm going to give WWE a shot. I'm going to try to watch Raw every week. I watched it this week. I enjoyed myself. I watched it on tape delay, was able to fast forward a lot, but I enjoyed it. Um, I don't know. I don't think Friday nights is for anybody. I'd like to get back into a rhythm on Wednesday nights because collectively, AEW and NXT are doing very, very good things. Different things. Very, very good things. We'll see where it's going. But 2020 is BC taking the L. I'm going to give Vince and company a chance. You got to realize I was on the verge of like stopping this altogether. Just be like <laughs> F this F WrestleMania after Royal Rumble. I'm going to give it a shot.
2: That was a beautiful State of Campbell address. The State of our Campbell appears to be strong entering 2019. And we're going to move into the main part of the show. But before we do that, a quick word from our friends and sponsors. All right, BC, we're back. You're rejuvenated. Silver King's ready to go. Jack is too. So we got to move into the main part of the show, the main event. And, BC, I think we need to start obviously with Wrestle Kingdom 14, the first ever two night Wrestle Kingdom for New Japan. And speaking for myself here, I was a little curious about how this was going to work. There were a lot of matches, especially for night two, that were completely dependent on results from night one. And I always think that's a little bit of a risk because what if those don't wind up paying off? And then once night one ended, and this is something that Jack and I certainly discussed in our preview. It kind of just hit me, man. Gato's a genius, and why should I ever question anything he wants to do, right? So ultimately, the main headline coming out of Wrestle Kingdom BC that I want to hear your take on because Jack and I, you know, predicted it. Not that it was a huge prediction, but we predicted it last week. We were kind of already discussed why we wanted it to happen. But Tetsuya Naito winning the Intercontinental Championship on night one, and then finally defeating. Kazuchika Okada for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship on night two to be the man, the new ace, perhaps, of NGPW.
0: Well, let me start off with my overall reaction to two days worth of Wrestle Kingdom. And this is one of the times where it was good to have an illness where I could sit and do nothing and just take this all in. (laughs) Um, I haven't felt that in my loins in a while, guys, watching wrestling. And I get, by the way that this is the very best of njpw right this is wrestlemania so this, so i fully understand that right um overall it was it was amazing it was awesome it certainly speaks to my style of wrestling obviously more than anything but i think even this year while well, i think last year's wrestle kingdom was the card of the year in all of wrestling it did not have that special magic that we talked about that the previous ones did it was great matches really good storylines but it didn't have the magic I felt the magic was back this year in the way that they book things and the spectacle of two nights in bringing in Jericho and Ambrose and really amping it all up. They succeeded for the first time since Kenny Omega used to be Kenny Omega a couple of years ago in making these matches feel life or death, making them feel. Pro- I mean, that's pro sports, you know. In fact, they use that line there. They say, you know, the winner of this du- golden double dash, whatever, will be the king of all sports, you know. I love that ish so frickin' much because it it makes it feel like it's professional fighting. And it's obviously, you know, they don't waste a lot of time with gimmicks. It's just coming at you. Uh, We saw three or four frickin' classics in the two nights combined. But your main question about the main storyline of Tetsuya Naito finally climbing that mountain, it was amazing. It was freaking amazing, and you had to know it was coming. In fact, Jack, I was arguing with you going, you know, and Gato we trust always, so maybe Naito as a character is never meant to climb that mountain, and maybe Okada is God. And by the way, I you know, somebody write that on the side of a wall and have a dog pissing next to it. We'll take a picture like Clapton one time because Ogata, Okada <laughs> is God, but— yeah, uh God we got what was the most predictable but it was still so perfect 2 years later because they made that matter guys in the past when don callis and kevin kelly grouped together right the final omega okado match i mean it was the the feels of all feels i had tears during that match right we've played those sound drops before i mean hook the leg is in is in the background of our brains forever <clears throat> They've lost a lot since Don's left. Rocky's okay. He's so he's okay. He's solid. Never pisses you off. They had the new guy Gino Gambino this year, who I thought for the first, you know, ninety percent he was out there sucked the horn. But this trio or quad, if you count the guy Chris, the, the guy the NJPW historian, what they did during that main event of Sunday morning, Naito Okada, was make that match feel like it was the Olympics. They went to the next level. So even though Naito climbed the mountain and we all thought this, knew he would, the feels that I got during that were insane. And I have to give them credit for that because that ultimately is what is missing for me as a fan when it comes time for Real Rumble or WrestleMania, is you want that feeling again that this match is different than the other 11 pay-per-views and that this moment means so much to the characters of each wrestler, but the real people themselves and the struggle that they're going through to get to the top and us as fans for enduring that journey. And we had to endure a long journey as distant American fans. How about the real Japanese fans who love them some Naito? And, of course, and we're going to get to the other side of it. Gato really testing our, our Gato love here with the whole uh, Ota- uh, Hideo Otami thing. But just for that moment right there, guys, the damn feels were off the hook. And it's because those announcers brought it to the next level. It's That's not hook the leg, guys, but that's frickin' top shelf.
2: There's really a top tier of wrestling announcers, and it's Mauro Ranallo and Kevin Kelly. And we, in our voting for our 2019 year-end awards, I don't think Kevin Kelly got a single vote for first, second, or third Adam place. I
0: had him second place.
2: You had him second? Okay. I don't think he got another vote besides that. And it was not for lack of appreciation. It's for lack of him being in our face for 12 months. It's because... Our exposure to Kevin Kelly, I know, Jack, you may watch a little bit more than BC&I in terms of New Japan, but most of our exposure to Kevin Kelly comes in January, July, and June. It's three months. Uh, For July, obviously, it's the entire month for, for the G1 Climax. But we don't get a Kevin Kelly in our ears 52 weeks a year, 12 months a year, where you're reminded consistently how good he is at his job. I think you make a great point to point that out, and it's something that we probably need to remember one year from now, when we do our 2020 awards, I mean, look, New Japan, like you voted BC for Wrestle Kingdom 13, I think first place uh, pay-per-view of the year last year. That's why it won. Jack and I, I think, had rest, uh, NXT TakeOver New York first. Um, Now I hope you see why, in part, I didn't vote for a Wrestle Kingdom 13 because 14 was that much better. It was a totally different level of pay-per-view. This is going to blow away the competition this year as an entire event. I don't know what could possibly live up to it in the U S because it's two nights. It had epic matches. we got at least three of the five best matches of the year in the first week of the year. In my opinion, there's maybe one. four, there's
0: maybe four matches that are over five stars, over
2: five stars. Yeah. That over five stars. And it was just absolutely incredible from top to bottom on Naito. Um, it was the right decision. It proved that, like I said, Gato, Gato's a son of a bitch, really, is what it is. He toys with us, makes us think he doesn't know what he's doing, um, makes us think that he's either lost it or he's going to go push Jay White to the moon because he needs to replace Kenny Omega, and he did. Um, but he ultimately had this planned for this to happen on this night. Dave Meltzer after uh, New Japan, Wrestle Kingdom 14, I don't know exactly what he said, but he, he broke down what the storyline was planned to be with Kenny Omega. And this is not that far off from that. So Gato had plans two years out and didn't change much on the way there, with the exception of pulling out Omega and putting in someone else. The matches were great. Um, Naito, Jay White, it was good, but you know, anytime Gato gets involved, it it just, anytime a manager gets involved in a wrestling match, it really stops the momentum of it being awesome. That was good. But the two Okada matches, Okada Naito and Okada Abushi, Kota Abushi, where you see Kota Ibushi turn stone cold, mini heel turn during the match. You're like wondering what the hell is up with this guy? Is he actually going to win the title here? He doesn't, that moment that we were anticipating, they held it off to give us Naito Okada again, which was really the right decision in the long term. I mean, you, so you have they- Naito be the first guy to to not lose to Okada when he when Okada hits him with the spinning tombstone. Like There are so many levels and elements of this match and the storylines over two days that were important. But, I mean, I don't know if we're doing stars. It was like a six-star match. The night before was like 5.75. Well, I'm going to counter that. Okada, Ibushi. I mean, what the hell? Well, listen to this, over, King. We're splitting hairs here.
0: But what I was going to say, I got two comments to say. Number one, I always say in Paul Levesque we trust. Uh, Paul Levesque is is the American Gato. (laughs) <laughs> like, let that let that sink in. I don't in. even know
2: if he's there. I like, don't even like, even he's like, like. Gato,
0: holy crap, Gato, I love you. But number two. Hey, Jack, I just put over Okada. Sorry, I'm going to be all over the place. Okada <laughs> Naito, right? Main event of Sunday as a match that just reinvigorated me as a wrestling fan. The near falls down the stretch with New Japan does better than anybody, which gives you this savage steamboat feels from WrestleMania three gives you the undertaker. Shawn Michaels feels from WrestleMania 25. They do it better than anybody. They got me three or four different times in the final five minutes. I knew that Naito was going to win from a booking angle and I watched it on delay. So I already knew that Naito won and I still was in that moment as if like it was real. It was still real to me, damn it. Yet Jack Crosby, that's only the third best match of the two days. It really is.
2: Wait, wait, which one's third? You're saying
0: Okada, Okada, well,
2: Naito Okada <laughs> is three.
0: The best match of the weekend was Okada Abushi because that feel in the last five minutes, the near falls, the changes, the counters was it was steak with a naked woman sitting on top of the steak. Okay, so you're it putting was, so
2: you're putting Osprey Takahashi. Second. It was
0: hot, Taco Tuesday, hair pie on top of the steak. Osprey Takahashi was two. We're not even have the time to give go five minutes on what that was, but that thing was insane, Jack. They like you. It's a buffet
1: of 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 of, of it's gratuitous. How great this was. My favorite was, and I don't like my favorite. Let's let me put it this way. My favorite moment, obviously, it was Naito completing the journey. That was my favorite moment. My favorite match was, without a doubt, Abushi and Okada from the first night. Yeah, I mean, I'm not advocating that this was a smart move, but when Abushi legit punched this man in the face, he punched him in the face, right in the jaw. There was no pulling the punch. Okada said, "Do you want to punch me?" And Abushi said, "Can I?" He said, "Yeah, just do it." He punched him in the face, and then the palm strikes. And Abushi did that thing he doesn't do too often, but he's done it. Especially when he used to do it in DDT all the time, where he goes to that place and the, right. that stoic, deadpan look on his face, like he's a legit psychopath. Everybody loves to to praise the playful Abushi, the guy shooting off the fireworks in DDT in the in the woods having those matches. But there's also that side of Kota Ibushi that is just a complete psychopathic maniac. Hey Jack,
0: and Jack, they had me thinking he was going to win it. When he, <clears throat> when he turned to that, the fan in me was like, he's going to win the damn title! Finally! And this,
1: the story of when he realized, this is for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, so I'm going to try to kill this man. And then they even played up, the referee might stop this if he doesn't stop beating up Okada like he is. The POB strikes that he just wouldn't let up that he finally lets up, and they when the camera panned to Abushi's face, and he had no expression on his face whatsoever, none. Even though that was where I started to realize he ain't winning this match, right? Like that was his moment to to shine. That was his moment to shine in that match. When he after he did that, I realized Okada's winning this match. Which I, I'm okay with. I said Abushi ain't winning, but this what's gonna happen. That was by far my favorite match, and Kota Abushi yeah. will be IWGP especially now that he's under contract. He will get that one day. It's just he had to be a piece in this story for now because Naito was the endgame.
2: That, that's the thing. What we kind of discounted when we previewed it was it would have been great for Ibushi to win. But to give him a 24-hour title reign, That A, that they don't do that, you know, really. And B, it's kind of wasteful for it to be his first. If someone's going to win their first title, you want it to be momentous. You want it to last for a while. And it's one of the reasons why Kenny Omega's title reign – uh, in New Japan was so disappointing because he didn't even get to defend it at a Wrestle Kingdom. He literally just lost it at his first Wrestle Kingdom as champion. I'm with you guys that Okada Obushi was slightly better than Naito Okada. Naito Okada had the better story. Okada Obushi, no surprise, had the better wrestling. Osprey Takahashi, we're not going to go into depth about it like BC said, but for someone who is not a huge Osprey fan, when that match ended, I couldn't believe what I saw. And I go, wow, they just outshone the main event. It hasn't even happened yet. There's no way Okada Bushi is going to be that good, and then yet it somehow was. So shout out to those guys. Yes. Uh, Takahashi, I love Osprey. You guys know my opinion on him. I like him. I like him a lot. I just think well, people 20, rate him 20, a little bit. Adam, so you can
0: have that opinion with easily.
2: Number three for me,
0: but with no he- kickback. Adam, you can have that opinion in 2020 with no kickback cuz it's a new year, there's no limits to wrestling fandom if that's what you want to say, but here's the deal. When I used to say, "Guys, Juice Robinson is a top 10 wrestler in the world, you need to wake up." It's half joking, but I kind of mean it. What Don't I say right I'm now, if seriously, if Will Ospreay if, if anyone, not you Adam, if anyone doesn't doesn't understand that Will Ospreay is, is not a top 5 wrestler, and I know half the population could be like, "BC, that's not a hot take." The hot take should be that he's, you know, number one or two. I'm just saying, if he's not a top five wrestler in your life right now, nobody works like Will Ospreay. Yeah, no, he's nobody. he's
2: probably top five in the world, but you should hit that button on Juice Robinson being top ten because you're insane.
0: Well, no, I mean, he's close. That you can't
2: take that opinion. Uh, he the, took a step back. Take that opinion I'll take the L. He's
0: taken a step back since I made it. I do love this. I, t- I took right.
2: the L on on Rollins that time for the one month. Hey, we that take I, you L, know, L I said, you got to take the L on Juice Robinson. I've been taking
0: Ls my whole life, believe me. That's how I got to the top. All right. right. Uh, so what I'm saying here is – Naito climbs the mountain. The moment is amazing. What they do better than anybody are the subtle little moments. And to see Naito hang on to the hair of Kazuchika Okada while they're laying on the ground after that 38-minute classic and the the little blue ice bags come out, that little thing is great. The little speech afterwards where he's like, you know, Okada, if you want to do this another time, you know, we'll do it again. We'll do it a third time. You know, I'm down for that. And Okada, like, giving him, like, the man, like, putting the fit. Like, that stuff is great. Then they did. And this is where Gato. This is where Gato got in the hot seat for a second. This is where we're going to play the People's Court theme for Gato here. Gato is undefeated as a booker. I mean, everyone thought Gato's biggest L was not putting Naito on top of the mountain two years ago. Turns out we didn't know what we're talking about because it felt so much better Sunday to see Naito get to the top of that mountain. Only he did not get to enjoy it long because, oh, by God, that's Hideo Atami's music and Kenta comes in. Here's the deal. I saw the gifts, the social media spoil ahead of time. I even conversed with Jack, and I was a little cringy. I was like, Jack, just you know, give it to me, truth. Jack, uh, did Gato like ruin it? Did he? Did they ruin everything here with this WWE booking? I mean, Naito climbs the damn mountain, and Hideo Itami, who lost like his last you know 18 matches in a row, runs in and beats him down and sits on his chest with both titles. I was expecting car wreck. I was expecting to come on here and be like uh, Gato, Gato's taking the L. Like This is it. He may end up taking the L. You can argue and I want to hear your take and it's really hard to stand here and straight up defend this move. Yet when Kenta came out Wow! You want to talk about putting on the heel skin and I don't know if you guys noticed he dyed his hair slightly gray platinum and it just kind of has this look going on bad assery and the tiny heel details that he pulled off. And again, the call that they used to surround this, this attack on Naito.
3: Hey. Jesus, no!
0: That's a Gambino there. Like, he won me over in that final ending there. Yeah, um, the bullshit call was awesome. Look, this ain't great booking in theory. And it may end up really lending itself to make Naito's reign, for all we know, not feel as special. And this moment not feel as special. But damn it, if Kenta didn't come out there and hit a freaking home run in that moment, and he sat on Naito's chest, and he beat him down the next night too, and his... Press conferences afterwards were freaking amazing. He's a stone-cold killer. I- I'm ready to give Gato a chance. And I said, oh, BC, of course, because it's not WWE. No, because Gato's freaking undefeated, guys. So I'm ready to give this a chance, but I'm going to tell you on paper, it's an L. How do you do that? How do you take from Naito in that moment?
2: I'll let, I'll let Jack talk about it more, but I just didn't like it for basically the reasons you said. Very simply, when you are waiting 2 years for this mountaintop moment. WWE doesn't do this. Kofi Kingston doesn't win the title at WrestleMania and then get attacked by someone. They don't do that. They re- they they do maybe at the end of a pay-per-view like a middle of the road pay-per-view. They don't do that at WrestleMania. So for him to win it in that situation for Kenta to attack him coming off a loss. He's lost his never open weight championship to Goto. Um I get it. If it happened at New Year's Dash, I would have been – he was celebrating having a ceremony. He attacks him from behind and does the same thing. No problem. Main event of Wrestle Kingdom, the mountaintop moment. He It wasn't even just that he didn't get to celebrate. He really didn't get to celebrate. He got like three minutes of ring time, did his quick speech, was just about to get there, and cut it off and Kenta comes out. So that was not for me. Jack, I don't – we didn't talk about it. I didn't talk to you about it. What did you think about it?
1: See, like I told you, like you could look at this one of two ways. Cause I'm still I I I'm still sitting on the fence. I know it's how many three, four days later, whatever it is. I'm still a little bit on the fence, because you could look at this one of two ways. Uh I did like that Naito celebration was cut off. And that's me, a big Naito fan saying that because it was different. We're used to the Wrestle Kingdoms going off the air, uh, you know, the joyous moments, uh the promo the crowd pops and then okay thanks for joining us i liked it in that sense now kenta he lost his last six g1 climax matches he lost an opportunity at the number one contendership against kota ibushi he lost the never open way title that very night at wrestle kingdom so you can look at this one of two ways uh from a pure sports standpoint like bc you said that's how we that's how we view new japan sometimes It makes absolutely no sense for Kenta to step into that role. But is it great for heel heat in theory? Yes, it is. Now, whether that continues to accumulate from this point, I don't know. We got to see because we still have a lot to find out. This is still up in the air because obviously this is done for heel heat purposes, especially when I point out stuff like six in a row G1 Climax matches lost, had an opportunity to take Kota Ibushi's briefcase lost, and then loses the title on the same night. Uh, plus there's two points to prove with new Japan. We can, from the moment Kenta came in, this was a mission to prove the WWE screwed up with him, that he is a top star. He's not just the top junior heavyweight, like he was in Noah. He is a top star. And I believe he is. I, if he can stay healthy, I do believe he is, especially in Japan. This is also a way there's a reason ghetto and Giotto hooked themselves up with bullet club. We thought when the elite left and formed AEW, what did some of us say? I think I even said it kill bullet club enough okay we're done after the departures this is it well ghetto and Giotto have this mission to keep that alive they got jay white who's really come along now you got kenta not to mention you have that for the future too now there's going to be that customary battle at the top for who runs bullet club now kenta or jay white it, it didn't happen at New Year's Dash. but oh, it's I thought he was, they were going to turn on each other. You saw that moment it's, at New Year's Dash. It saw the moment you thought because they expected it, but it'll eventually come where those two are going to butt heads at the top like every you know, two top guys do with a faction. I'm open to see where it goes. I don't necessarily hate it, but it doesn't make a lot of sense to just throw Kenta into that top position.
2: Um, I I think that's a totally fair take on that. I want to... Move on with BC's permission here, because there's a couple more Wrestle Kingdom things, New Japan things that we need to discuss. Oh
0: yeah, I'm Uh, very thick of it. Okay,
2: so obviously one of the matches that I don't really think as a match is getting the credit it actually deserves is the Tanahashi Jericho match, which older guys, Jericho in particular, is slower. But there is something about Chris Jericho's New Japan matches that captivates me in a interesting way, where Moxley actually, it's the opposite. I don't find Moxley as good as people say he is from a wrestling standpoint. Jericho in this new Japan Painmaker character having these matches as he noted with basically the top 5 wrestlers in the company during his short tenure there, it just seems to be something special and different. And this match between Tanahashi and Jericho where we're talking about three or maybe four of the top 5 matches all year, this is number 4 for me. And granted, we're only seven days into, t- into 2020. I was completely entertained by this match. I thought the pre-match mentioning of AEW and the conceptualization that Tanahashi could get a title shot should he beat Jericho, even though, according to reports, there is no change in the relationship between these two. Then, after the match happens and Jericho successfully wins, which we all expected, especially once he gave that stipulation or once they, Tanahashi put that out there in the post-match press conference, mentioning that he wants to be a bridge between New Japan and AEW. Personally, I think that is something he did on his own. I don't think it came from Tony Khan. I don't think it came from Harold Meiji, Meiji, whatever his name is. But my point is that the match itself captivated me. The concept concept of an AEW, NJPW, not relationship, talent-sharing situation maybe, Has me intrigued about what could potentially come in 2020 and beyond for these two companies. It shouldn't have really. It's that match. It shouldn't
0: just just have you intrigued. It should be the. It's our number one story of the week. It's the biggest thing going on in wrestling. uh, From what I'm saying, and it's the reason I'm back on the show today. That moment, that promo from Jericho is brilliant, and it's everything. And I'll get to that in a second. You're right, Jericho Tanahashi. It's just. It was just fun. It was just great in a non. Omega Okada way. It was just great business. It was just a great match in, in, in Jericho doing this, these, this old guy matches at such an insanely high level. It's ridiculous. And by the way, uh, shout out to Dean Ambrose because Adam, he's figured out who he is and what he is is we've said it before in yeah. New Japan. He's Stan Hansen 2.0 and these matches are so friggin' entertaining. The weapons match with Archer, Archer stepped up his game so much and the match against Juice Robinson. I, I could not have been more entertained. Jack, you've said it. I'm going to steal your thunder. I wish Dean Ambrose in AEW could be more like
1: Dean I'm Ambrose th- yeah.
0: in in Japan, but um, right, agreed. But let's get to the to the meat of this stake here, and it's really what Jericho said afterwards. Uh, I actually thought Jericho was going to lose. It was, it was it was optimistic. It was hopeful that this would begin the talent sharing, the bridge by having Ace win. It didn't happen, but then Jericho gave us this.
3: So now the forbidden door is closed. But I don't think it needs to be closed. Usually you hear me up on this stage screaming and yelling and causing a scene, and I'm not going to do that tonight. Because I had the chance over the last two years to wrestle the four amazing talents that I wanted to wrestle when I came back to New Japan in 2017. Kenny Omega, Tessizuna Ito, Keshushiko Okada, and all four, tremendous and I would like to wrestle all of them again obviously Kenny and I are in AEW but there's no reason why we can't continue to work together with New Japan put aside all the hurt feelings put aside all the egos put aside all of the issues and politics and concentrate on great wrestling matches and big business I haven't been doing this at the highest of levels for 29 years as what some people say the greatest of all time because I'm a stupid businessman I can see the amount of money that we could make together with AEW and New Japan both here in Japan and in the United States and Canada and England and Australia and all around the world so even though I beat Tanahashi tonight I would be more than willing to wrestle him again anytime and I would be more than willing to give him an AEW title shot. And Okada. And Naito. And yes. Suzuki. Yes. And Ibushi. Yes. And Osprey. Yes. But I don't own New Japan. I'm not the president of New Japan. I don't own AEW. But I'm going to do everything that I can to create a bridge to do more amazing matches and more amazing big business wrestling shows
0: Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Uh, Here's my instant analysis podcast for that promo. Um, So we have the soundbite we play a lot. Adam used, you know, in 2019, we would play it to really press Adam's buttons, to get him all riled up because Adam hates this guy.
1: Are you guys ready for a revolution?
0: I don't hate him. That's um, unfair. We were ready for that revolution, but it wasn't. That's unfair. That's unfair to say. Oh, I'm sorry. 2020, Adam does not hate him. Okay. <laughs> 2019 is a different story. 2020, we got a new leaf. Um, hey guys, we talked about it before. AEW is fine. There's a lot to like about it. I like it a lot. It's not the revolution. Uh, it doesn't have new Japan. I and mean, we've, we've had this debate before, but what Chris Jericho said on Sunday, this is the revolution. This is the real thing. The real thing from two standpoints. One, Creating a legitimate competitor to WWE. And again, not from the standpoint of, oh my God, I hate WWE so much. I can't wait for somebody to take them down. For somebody to do something different to make them change. Some people don't think they need to change. That's fine. You could have grown up in that era. In this 2020, you can have that opinion. You're a good person. You love wrestling. But I need WWE to change. The only thing that can really compete. AEW's, you know, chipping away a little, but they can't really compete it's obviously bringing these two forces together. It's the vision of the NJPW North American expansion that never really took off. I think this was Jericho going rogue. I'm sure he talked to Tony Khan. I'm sure Tony Khan is into the idea, but this is Jericho saying like, we've got a chance here, guys. It's not going to be easy. I think a good case scenario would be if they shared talent and, we got to see more of omegas and, and bucks go into the big dominion and wrestle kingdom and, and g1 and all that and then at the same time we got to see those big stars okada naito and company and osprey especially which jericho did mention there uh come to the big AEW events i don't think guys the the perfect world that that me the optimist gets excited about when i hear this is realistic and that means the company's joining, like legitimately joining forces, like legitimately putting everything together and then making a weekly TV product. Too many cooks in the kitchen, two no. extremely different ways to book and present wrestling. But let me ask you this. Can we get enough? If they share. To make wrestling so much better. To make AEW so much better. To bring New Japan back into our life where we cannot avoid it. Because it's so damn good. And to take this style of wrestling, which is the best thing in the world. Guys, New Japan at the top is the best. It's the best crap ever. Can we have that?
2: All the time. It's tough because, Jack, correct me if I'm wrong. But even with Ring of Honor. Mm -hmm. There were talent shares and people were able to go and do this and that here and there. But the events that they had in the United States, where their talent appeared on most of them, were co-events. It was New Japan, Ring of Honor combined for whatever the hell. uh, You know the name of the shows, I don't. War of the World. Like, they're some of my favorite shows of the year. Right. They were awesome. But but while they would occasionally have a New Japan talent on a regular Ring of Honor pay-per-view... It would usually be someone who has a title or who was on an excursion or someone who is being utilized by Ring of Honor more large, larger than that. Hmm. So I don't know that AEW is going to be able to the same way that Jericho is just there for one taped promo and one match at Wrestle Kingdom. I don't know if AEW is going to have, you know, Tetsuya Naito cut one taped promo and have one one match double or nothing. I don't. Because it's a weekly television product and it's the United States and they do have – people say like, hey, AEW has a small roster compared to WWE. They really don't. If you look, if you were to take just Raw's roster and compare it to just AEW's roster, it's pretty damn close in size. Not maybe talent across the board depth-wise, but it's pretty damn close, right? So I don't know that for a, a company that has a two-hour show every week that we're going to get the type of coordination and merging – That I think we would want or we ideally thought we might get when this was all proposed, BC, when you started talking about the revolution, you know, 18 months ago or whatever the case. But I do think Jericho is right. You find opportunities to have these relationships. You co promote one pay per view a year in the United States. You figure these things out and you try to form some type of working relationship. But my opinion is they did go, that he did go rogue after that. I don't think that was on AEW's behalf or NJPW's behalf. I think they may have come to an agreement for the title b- to be on the show and for Jericho to be named the AEW champion and continue this promotion because Tanahashi obviously started it. But other than that, I don't want people to think, at least it's my opinion, that things are going to suddenly jump forward in three months from now. We're going to have a, a, a co-sponsored NJPW thing, especially because you're talking about and uh, uh, NJPW's excursion into America – they are just now starting their American brand, and they have shows starting this month on a full American tour that they're putting together. In fact, they're coming to Miami at the end of January. I'm going to try to go. I'm very excited. So NJPW is launching an American brand. They literally just announced it. How do they figure that out with AEW? Do they use those as AEW house shows? You know, how do you build that up so that those house show type places, uh, type events are are uh effective and profitable while simultaneously not just saying hey AEW, take our talent use them make money off them it's uh, there's a lot to figure out and i don't know that it's just going to happen because chris jericho decided to go rogue after winning a match
1: the problem here is that we're going to need some clarification sooner or later and here's why like what jericho everything chris jericho said there was 100 correct he's the voice of reason in all this Here's the problem. And remember, I'm very good at differentiating the people from the characters. The Young Bucks and Kenny Omega are really starting to get under my skin. Those three. They are really starting to get under my skin. Because, did you guys see the interview they did just last week? I mean, this set me over the edge with these three. Where they were talking, they basically threw New Japan under the bus for their exit. Now, at a time, here's the problem where chris jericho is advocating hey we can have something special here you got those three crying like kids i said it they're crying they're great wrestlers crying like kids because they weren't treated like gods on their way out of new japan pro wrestling look they're great you know but to go to new japan brass and think you should be treated like gods for what two some years of service you're not Mitsuhara misawa you're not kenta kobashi
2: <laughs> get out of here with that they, nonsense
1: you don't deserve to be treated like
2: kings these are also guys who thought they were going to be 100 praised you, for every single thing they did in aew they get a little bit of criticism and they delete their twitter account you went to new japan and said hey guess Adam, what we've we a billionaire just
1: blocked all their haters right
2: you should have
1: you said we went to we went and found ourselves a billionaire best friend we're out of here we're going to start our own company oh but can you please not make Kenny a heel really quick and make him look bad on the way out? Can you please make us look like winners on the a out? Are you are you guys for real? Are you? Yeah, that, they're I mean, getting under my skin. I know my voice, but oh, they are starting to aggravate the hell out
2: of me. Those three. I feel bad for Cody. I feel bad for Chris Jericho. That like they need to say, shut up. What what you're saying is what I say so often that people forget, which is these companies they have to look out for number one. Not just NJPW, not just AEW, WWE too. So when Luke Harper, for example, is like, you know what? You guys aren't using me the way I want. I'm going to protest. I don't want to be on TV. I don't want to do house shows. Screw you. And WWE says, you know what? Fine. You're going to sit home because they don't want him to go to their competition. They're a company protecting their best interests. These guys signed their contracts. When they signed a contract with New Japan or whatever agreement that they signed, it is for the wrestling company – To use you as they see fit. Otherwise, if you have creative control and you give everyone creative control, just to sign them, you're going back to the WCW days—the things that tore them apart. So that is my now. The difference is with AEW, obviously, they're in control. They have their booking, right? So they feel like any assault on not liking storylines in AEW is in a direct attack at them. But my point, my larger, my larger point is, NJPW is not to blame for how they decided to write them or Kenny oh. off on right, their, their exit. Takes they didn't him. just leave. They didn't even go to WWE. They literally started a company where they're saying, hey, that fan base that we brought you, we're going to take them away from you.
0: All right, you two. You're, 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 uh, you're Cody. I got fired okay, up there, I'm Sorry, I got fired up. Okay, look, so it's going to bring back, um, it already brought back, imagining these two coming together and then it blowing up and ruining everything is, of course, going to bring back the the failed uh, when, when Vince went national in the 80s and suddenly... CWA and world class and AWA and Jim Crockett are all, hey, maybe we should get together and do this series of super shows and it failed miserably. Um, that's not going to work. The personalities are too strong already. These wrestlers turned executives that you guys just, just, uh, dropped doogies on. Um, I guess the best case scenario is a talent share for the big events. And guys, if that's our new reality and Dominion could be jacked with the real Kenny Omega, not, not the, See, here's the thing: the actual, <laughs> real person, Kenny Omega, Tyson Smith. I'm not sure actually is that cool. I'm not if he's sure if he's actually my guy. But New Japan, Japan, Kenny Omega is the best wrestler I've ever seen, guys, and that's the truth. All right, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, I don't know if he could be that again, but just just live in the moment for me. Live in the moment.
2: Well, he one, could one be
0: Kenny we... again at Dominion. He could be Kenny again at G One. He could be Kenny again at WK, and some of those guys could do. Triple or nothing, or quadruple or nothing, or whatever on the other side. I mean, you would talk about moments, guys. And that is a moment I'd live for. In fact, that's the moment I'd risk for. And how much of it would that I was, risk?
1: That was a great
2: segment.
0: How much way. of it would I risk? I love Olivia. All yeah, of man. it. Uh, let me close on New uh, Japan here. I would risk it all, guys, to get that. And I hope we get that. And look, I don't have to watch Friday nights. You guys can watch it. Okay? You can watch for me. I don't have to watch Monday nights if I get this type of talent share with the best wrestlers in the world. I'm going to make a couple quick hot takes on the way out here regarding NJPW. Before the hot takes, did you see the Zima sponsorship over chris jericho's shoulder during the press conference during everyone's press conference that's going to mean nothing to most people. Zima, an American malt beverage started in nineteen ninety three was pulled off the shelves for good in two thousand and eight but has for good re- had, for good reason has too. had a life of its own since then in Japan. I popped so big for the Zima sponsorship because old guys my age forty one that's like the one of the first entry-level alcohols when we started drinking in high school. Yeah. It was Boone's Zim- Farm, it was Natty Light, and it was Daddy. Zima. And at the 19, January 1997 Rusted Root concert in Hartford, I drank 11 and a half Zimas in an hour, and you can guess how that night ended. But yeah. uh, Zima will always have a place in my heart, guys. I wish Z- it was Zima,
2: Zima, for kids your age, was the Mike's Hard Lemonade and Smirnoff, for kids oh my, my age, it, it, they were far worse, but Zima had that it was the same hey it looks like a beer in terms of shape of bottle but it ain't a beer so you don't have to like it's yeah it's disgusting. like spiked, now obviously right, yeah. as we grew up we learned beers delicious certainly but at that age you don't here's the you thing know beer I mean? wasn't
0: delicious that beer really wasn't delicious till like 2008 no, we gotta be honest it, with no, that right there right. uh no it was all
2: right hot light water down
0: real yeah, quick hot take time uh only jump in if you strongly disagree um it's obvious Kazuchika Okada is the best wrestler in the world. Let's, I mean, like, not like, he may have already been. For me, it was Omega, but he's no longer Omega anymore. So, um, really try to make a case for anybody else. You're off the show. I don't care what year it is. Adam, try it. He's the best wrestler no, in the
2: damn world. It's Okada. No, it's Okada.
0: Jack, it's, he might be moving. I saw some, you know, hot, hot takes on it. You know, maybe you could take someone off Rushmore now and put Okada on. I mean, look, look, what he's doing every match we're talking about, the constant theme is that Okada's like the B-side putting the other guy over, you know?
1: Yeah, that, that's got to stop. I, t- I told you as, we, as you were catching up on the show and we were talking, like, we need to start realizing that this era of Kazuchika Okada is special. Like, I don't, and it's, he's 32 years old. Like that yeah. guy has so much that, more left to do. That night That's the thing. There's go. no reason
2: to put him on the rush more now when we're going to have six to eight more years. But this, this
1: era that this is his era N- Naito can win the title. Abushi could win the title. Kenta could win the title. This is Okada's era.
2: I said it. I said it BC two years he, ago. He's the Hulk Hogan and, and it's different because they've already had Masawa and guys like that. Maybe he's more the Steve Austin or the John Cena or the rock. Maybe he's the rock, but of NJPW. but even more important you know I mean? than that, I credited
0: so much with Kenny Omega showing us that there's something else going on in the world. You know, even if we were indie fans or not during that time, he showed us that there's something else that's changing the industry, right? The ability to do a seven-star match, like the type of matches we've never seen before. I always gave Kenny more credit while acknowledging that Okada was the perfect dance partner to elevate him to that level. With Kenny no longer being Kenny and maybe never being Kenny again, even me are taking the L and going, holy crap, Okada is a giant part of that. Yeah. Moving on um, real quick. Jay White is the—I'm going to say it. You're going to disagree, and I don't care. Jay White <laughs> is the coolest wrestler in the world in the year 2020. I can't believe in two years what he's become. I ripped him along with Adam way back when we when he got the push he didn't deserve. All, the only thing he needs are cool T-shirts. His T-shirts on pro wrestling tees are, are horrific. Um, Every element of his character— Rules, the tights, the facial hair, the hair, the 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 way that he's doing shorter promos now and just being a jerk. Adam, try to break my heart in twenty twenty. Try it. Jay White is everything you should aspire to be in life, and then I'll get in line behind you and try to do a
2: bootleg <laughs> bootleg Jay White. I mean, I don't. He's far better than he was two years ago. There's there's no question how much he has improved. Um, when we, again, when we talked about most improved wrestler, maybe Jay White should have got a little more consideration, but is he the coolest wrestler? No, no he's the coolest I, wrestler I, I'm the not going to go that
0: All thing. right, Jack, come on. He's the coolest I
2: wrestler.
1: I fully the embrace the fact that the knife pervert has improved tremendously. He He's, he's really embraced that role that he was supposed to embrace in Bullet Club. There with get you know, as Gato's new little son, little project. I do the knife pervert for me. Thumbs up.
0: All right. My final hot take is this. We gloss over it fast because we had a loaded end of year award show. And we gave the award collectively to Adam Cole. And uh, look, how are you going to argue that? I did vote Chris Jericho for wrestler of the year. And I do think we almost went too quickly over the fact that at what, 48, 49, whatever he is, that he was able to dial back and put forth a contender to that level for wrestler of the year. And thank you. People in my DMs in 2019, there's 2019 BC talking. Thank you, people in my DMs who got the score right, who came in there and like, what are you guys, crazy? But Adam Cole is amazing. Guys, like, it's insane that he was able to have that year. And then he comes off this weekend and does what he does. And now he's trying to bridge the gap to make a real revolution. We always struggle ever since the Kevin Owens-Jericho 2016-2017 rebirth to try to figure out exactly where Chris Jericho actually fits in historically. I've settled in the past. I was like, okay, look, you know, he's, he's in that top 15. He's right in that 13 to 17 range. You know, I know there's not an exact science, obviously, but he's right there. Um, in the last three years, guys, he's not only, you know, climbed into many people's top 10, I think rightfully so. I think in my heart, he's past Cena. And I'm not a Cena guy, but I acknowledge what Cena has done. Although Jericho has not done the exact same thing Cena has done from the idea of being the face of the biggest company for a decade. I think Jericho has accomplished more in my wrestling standings of who's the best of all time. I think this weekend just kind of reminded me with this past year. I think he's better than Cena all the time.
2: I mean I'd have to write it down, but Jericho was above above Cena for me over a year ago, I'd say, before AEW. He's the multiple companies, the multiple divisions, if you want to consider it that the number of character changes. Cena was one dude, basically, maybe two. He was two dudes his entire career. Um, match quality, mic ability. Jericho, to me, is a special, special guy. I would have to look to see if being above Cena put, would put him in my top ten. I mean, it's, if, but you, you're if talking you say about, he's
0: above Cena, you're saying he's the sixth or seventh best wrestler ever. And that's, by the way, like, uh, you have to
2: realize who is in the top Eric six underneath uh, him. Uh, English-speaking or, or ever? Ever, ever tough it's close he's definitely he's at, if he's not top 10 he's borderline top 10 he's there he's he's then i think at the very least especially with that there's last a lot year, of he's top 10 he's got it i mean the really he's in, it the, depends. he's in like the 7 to 12 range for me i would say it's,
1: it's i mean it, it's wild. It, it depends on what your definition is because this can be construed a lot of ways like for example i someone could jump in and say okay so if we're saying top guy uh, WrestleMania uh, 28 is still the highest gro- when it was on pay- the pay-per-view model, highest grossing WrestleMania of all time. Does the Rock come back to face anyone other than John Cena? Probably not. Well, no, yeah. and that's so the John is a big part Cena, of that. But I'm just saying like you it, put the two arguments remember, we against always each, go each, to each that other. Who draws argument? Uh, you know what, BC? That's good. Not going to answer.
2: I'd have to. I have to really, really think about that one. And by the way, John Cena draws today. Like he's been basically. Oh yeah, John's oh, a draw. He's today. basically been removed for like 18 months for the better part, right? If they announced him on on SmackDown on an upcoming Friday SmackDown, you know Rock did four million on that debut, and they pushed that debut. A SmackDown does three, three point two, three point five million with John Cena today if he shows up on Fox, hundred percent. So no. let's let's take that though and kind of transition into WWE because we did spend most of the show on Wrestle Kingdom, deservedly so. But Raw on Monday night was one of the more more interesting episodes of WWE TV that I've experienced in quite some time. And there's two major reasons, and Jack knows what they are. One is the main storyline, which we're going to talk about first. The second, which I want to talk about after, is it is one of the weirdest three-hour episodes of Monday Night Raw that I can ever remember, just in terms of all the things that happened on the show and what they are previewing for next week. It is just boggling my mind. But the main story, BC, is Brock Lesnar via Paul Heyman announcing that he will not only... Enter the Royal Rumble as WWE champion. He will enter at the number one spot. The title will not be on the line in the Royal Rumble. Jack and I got to talk a little bit on Slack about us liking it. So it is there are positive vibes coming from both of us. I have a very strong opinion on this. What is your thought, BC, on WWE deciding not to have their signature title defended on this show, either in a match or in the Royal Rumble itself? And going with this Brock Lesnar storyline at number one in the Royal Rumble.
0: Uh, the storyline is brilliant. That is a way to create legitimate intrigue for the Royal Rumble match, which you, you need to do. Because while that match always sells itself, at the same time, you can put forth some pretty okay matches a couple of years in a row and have nothing really happen. This makes this absolutely must-see. Really, the only problem I have is not putting the title on the line. And I get it. What you're eventually, what you're essentially doing is you're creating the, his WrestleMania challenger through this match. Well, then he doesn't necessarily need to be in it if that's the case. Look, it's been very rare, right? It's, it's Ric Flair winning a vacant title in 92. It's Roman Reigns bringing the title in and trying to defend it at the Rumble a few years ago when he got screwed by McMahon. It's very rare that a champion goes into the Royal Rumble or that the title is on the line. I would have loved the idea of, cause it's arrogance here. What you're basically saying is, we're Brock Lesnar, we're bored, character wise, right? We're bored, we've destroyed all your heroes, right? We come, we lost, but we come back and we beat them. Um, no one is like Brock Lesnar. So to sh- prove that, he's going to go in and kick all 30 of your asses and then come out with the title. Um, that, that, that's a hook. That's good enough for me. Okay. Like that, that's it. That's the story right there. He Either loses it or he wins it and, or, or something happens here. I'm not going to, you know, that's not turning me off on it. Look, this is must-see, and I,
2: and I like the booking on that. So I think that had you made it a WWE championship match, which I think would only be the third time ever if it was that. One was vacant that Ric Flair won, right? And then once it was defended, and then this would be the third, if it was the title match. Um, it's unique. It's Brock Lesnar basically saying, no one can beat me. I've gone through everyone. Prove it. You have someone beat him for the title. He gets his rematch at WrestleMania. That's a little bit obvious booking. I don't mind the title theoretically not being on the line in this match. My bigger problem with that is when the hell is Brock Lesnar going to defend this title? Because once this match is over, it will be 60 days since he's defended the title. Is he going to defend it at Fastlane? Is he going to defend it at Elimination Chamber? If not, there is a chance that Brock Lesnar wins the title whenever he won it. I'm not even remembering and does not defend it again. Survivor Series. Yeah. Sorry. Right. right, One or on SmackDown. Okay and had only one title defense at two, I guess, Crown Jewel and Survivor Series, and does not defend it again until WrestleMania, which is basically five months of no title defense. Now, if they don't do that, fine. If he has challengers leading up to WrestleMania, I probably don't have much of an issue with it. Other than that, I think the booking is absolutely genius. Having Brock Lesnar in at number one, you know what is going to happen. The first X number of people he's going to toss out right away, some big names, some not. And eventually there's going to be a stopping point, big show, um, Alistair black, someone of Keith Lee, uh, Matt riddle, someone, uh, of it'll be someone of significance and it allows all these, some will be short. Some will be a little bit longer one-on-one matchups with Brock that you never thought you would see because he only has these individual moments at pay-per-views with guys. You're never going to see Brock Lesnar, um, buddy Murphy. You're just, it's, that's never going to happen in WWE, but it could happen in this pay-per-view, right? So it sets up the interesting matchups. It also allows the Royal Rumble to provide a challenger for Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania without it being the winner of the match. His challenger could be whoever eliminates him. The winner of the match, presumably Roman Reigns, uh, is going to challenge The Fiend, right? Then what that also does, it sets up elimination chamber to not have another number one contender elimination chamber match. You have one men's, maybe the fiends in it. And you have one women's and you figure that out as well. So I am completely intrigued by the Royal rumble. I think it was a genius booking All right, Jack, I take people the on book. Twitter. I have to finish really quick. I see people on Twitter saying it's garbage. WWE has nothing else to do with Brock Lesnar. I think that's stupid. Um, but what this does tell me is WWE knows they can put Brock Lesnar in compelling matches without the WWE Championship, without a title. And it's another reason why, going back to what I've said for years, okay, we got, we, we, Brock does not need the title to be successful To hear WWE. more, listen
0: to Adam Silver King's personal podcast on OnlyPodcast.com. Um, Jack, how do you book the territory then? Who is Brock going to face at WrestleMania? What is this news going right. to change uh,
1: It's perfect. You ask me that because when it when it was my turn, I was gonna say, here's my one problem with this. Love it, just like you guys love the booking. I, this is intriguing. It adds a layer to the Royal Rumble match that I love. Here's my problem. I do believe, like Adam said, that the man who eliminates him is going to be his WrestleMania challenger. If that man is Kane Velasquez, we have a problem on our hands. Oh god. Because they did a crappy job of introducing him to the audience. They did an even crappier job when Brock Lesnar tapped him out. So I think the reaction of people in Minute Maid Park in Houston is going to be like almost, I don't want to say it, but just for exaggeration purposes, it's, it's going to be like a pin drop if Kane comes in there and tosses him over. It's like,
2: oh, I'm back. It's like, no one cares. Especially, if, care. especially if the ring is cleared and it's number 30.
1: Yeah, I, this would be a good opportunity to give someone an, an opportunity. I I, ju- I just said it myself. Maybe a Keith Lee. Maybe we get the Riddle match. Maybe Matt Riddle does come in. Toss him out. Maybe we get the Matt Riddle match. But I just have this ungodly feeling it's going to be Kane, and we're going to go, oh, no. Oh,
0: God. Yeah, I, I can't and have that's either all, Kane. And that's how I feel, too. I can't have either Kane. Kane Jacobs or the other one. Good God. Oh, no, get I that. will take Kane Jacobs. Get the God, hell watch your out mouth. of here. Hey, uh, speaking of Kane Jacobs, um, guys... I don't, need, I don't need the big show in my life. I don't care what he's there to promote. I don't need him in my life. I'm done. You're, you're going to stand here
1: and defend the ending of Raw, please. I was so happy to see Paul White back on my television screen. I almost cried tears of joy. I looked at my wife. I said, I'm going to cry. Look at that man. Look at that <laughs> legend right there at the top of the rim. Coming to kick some ass. Look at that man. Funny, BC, the
2: crowd popped huge. That's I'm, I'm in between. It was a good surprise. I'm in between. I don't think three hours of build for the big show gets the job done for me, but it wasn't bad. Like, I was happy to see him. All
0: right. Here's uh, the problem. Here's the was, main problem. Okay. I've been out of Raw and SmackDown lately, right? I turned it back on this week, giving it a legitimate chance. I see a Seth Rollins AOP faction that I that I knew had already started. And it rules. I mean, it rules, guys. This is Good. Heel Rollins. This is who we want. This is who we need. The only thing that can make this better is Seth come in with the with the skunk blonde streak in his head. So we're really <laughs> back to 2050. By the way, was that only there so that people could tell the difference between him and Roman and the original Shield? I think that's probably why. right? Maybe it was. I think it. I was. mean, maybe, maybe it's
2: like the five inches. Of no, 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 yeah, no, no. Because
0: he had
1: it in NXT and FCW. So All right. no. Well, well,
0: it's better. I mean, look, where, wheres J and J Security and Kane. In the corporate thing around him kind of made Rollins look like this young punk, uh, you know, chicken-ish, all that. AOP, it makes him a legitimate badass. He's dressed in all black, and I know neither of you will get this this reference, but it's Luke Skywalker in Return of the Jedi. It's full on, I'm a Jedi, I'm dressed in black, and I am here to kick ass. When he's dropping Messiah of Monday Night, I'm like, this is the Vince McMahon-controlled product that I like. Yes, it's a typical build of that main event, but they, they strung us along with the backstage stuff. Joe's involved. I mean, how could you hate this? In the mystery partner's freaking big show. And then we get a typical WWE finish. And then it's like, tune in next week. You'll see the same match, only it'll be a fist fight. Get the hell off my screen. Guys, I was so high off Seth Rollins. I wanted to like WWE again. Why the hell
2: would the, be- I hate when Vince rewards people who don't need rewards. Well, it's not a reward. It's this guy. I mean, it's just this it's a good way to bring him back. But why are you tying they, up
0: Seth Rollins in this? This is like shticky. It sucks. It,
2: because they're but because, because I don't know what their plan is for Rollins at WrestleMania. But they're with without a WWE championship on television, where your main main eventers on your show need to be going after, meaning Owens, Rollins, Joe to some extent, McIntyre guys like that, they have to create all these other storylines. And and they're probably tiding over a Rollins-Owens one-on-one match, which I'm assuming is either going to be Royal Rumble or maybe Fastlane or an upcoming event. They're holding us over for that, so they have to do this booking. But what you mentioned at the NBC, the fist fight, that was the culminating moment of the second topic I wanted to bring up. And I'm going to go through it insanely quickly. You can talk about the individual items separately. This was one of the weirdest Raws I can remember. For these reasons. You had the andrade Rey Mysterio match where John Cone literally stops the match cold for no apparent good reason. Maybe because Mysterio didn't sell enough weird moment. Then you see a man charge into the ring and get tackled by security. (laughs) Raw goes to commercial break. It turns out that man is the officiant for the Lana Lashley wedding. And either the security didn't know that, or what I think happened, it was on purpose. Heyman had him do that because he wanted to like, say have fans go, what the hell is this? Just like how he's, doing real TV uh, angles backstage with, you know, the, the Charlie Caruso chasing people and and trying to get real scoops. I think it was meant to be that. Then you have the Lana Lashley segment with a sign that pops up that says Lana loves BBC and it gets on television. She loves British
1: television, man. Then you have (laughs) Drew
2: McIntyre, suddenly a face, and I'm not saying this is bad. Suddenly a face whose new catchphrase is three, two, one. Then, then at the end of the show, right as it's about to end after this, thing you have wwe and vic joseph like ramble out announcements for next week's show something that they have not done yet is all rematches and it's just like wait you've been booking so well but what they announced at the end of the show was styles orton not at the rumble on raw both men are in the rumble match weird alistair black buddy murphy for the third time second time in two weeks don't get me wrong i love it and then what you just mentioned bc A fist fight for the first time ever with the same six people in the main event before the main event was segment was even over. So there's no way that they know about it. There's no way someone could have booked it. It doesn't make any sense. So this show that has been great and was still good on Monday, for all those reasons I just mentioned, was so insanely weird to me.
0: Um, yeah, I, I, you're making me want to have a 2019 debate. Let me bring in Jack to settle this, okay? Because sometimes he's he can play the middle ground in our polar opposites. You say this show has been great. Now I can't argue because I've been watching it, but we had some of these arguments when I was. The raws I saw were were better than the the, the crap we were fed in 2019. But is this actually great? Like, is this is this what a certain segment of the population wants, and across three hours, they're they're thoroughly entertained. Because great. When no. I saw that oh, last great this week, no, it's
2: not great.
1: The cringe. The
0: cringe. No, no, no. no. I'm, not,
2: I'm not saying Monday was great. I'm saying some of the episodes that we have been given over the prior couple of months have been great it, episodes. It of was. Raw. It was great was just though. Not ri- very good. At-
0: great. You're saying great. Great Raw.
2: Yes. Um. Significantly, yeah, but- significantly good. Better than very good. Yes. Some of them have. Some of them have been. Many it's of them which it didn't have, have a high bar you No, know, it that didn't. To That's the thing. The bar was low. The bar has been low, and many of the episodes, most of them, are very good, just very good. But there have been a couple that have ascended into great, such as when we're getting Alistair Black, Buddy Murphy opening a show with a 20-minute slugfest that is drawing huge reaction from the crowd. When we're getting Drew McIntyre getting put over, not just as a face, but as a legitimate threat. Some the, the stuff they did with Samoa Joe on commentary, transitioning that you didn't see this BC right, – right. but transitioning Joe way on way commentary, we can't to have two options. Ring here. roll and storyline again. This is really good booking. I gotta it, bring it just,
0: in Jack, it. I gotta bring in our correspondent Jack Crosby. Um, are we going raw of great or raw of very good lately?
1: Very good, splitting hairs,
2: very yes, good. Fine. That's fine, I have no
1: argument. No, very, very good, but again, it. it's just because Amid the bad, and there was some bad, like, Adam, I'm glad you brought that up because I forgot about it. Those announcements at the end of the show it's terrible, weird AF. Yeah. I, I was like, what are you guys doing? Like, why is Vic trying to talk as fast as he can? Like, why couldn't you just let this go? Like, you have social media. Like, don't, don't worry about this. It was like my one gripe with uh, the commentary was, I love the Monday Night Messiah thing. But they did that thing that they always do, where someone's on the headset saying, "You got to keep saying it. You got to keep saying it. You got to keep saying it." It's like, "Okay, we get it. He's the Monday Night Messiah." Like, let stop saying it, or else you're gonna kill it. Like the Drew McIntyre segment to me, that was we just had this discussion, and no, I am not comparing them. Remember the Austin discussion we had a few weeks ago, guys, where we said all it takes is one moment to completely change a character. Yes, McIntyre with the three, two. That has a chance now to follow him to every city he goes to, it will. and those people are going to be waiting for him to do the three. two, what? We this guy might have turned a corner, which and is personality weird. wise.
2: But but it was just that one night last, that one moment last night. But it's Maybe. weird with Ma- it's weird with McIntyre because the corner that we've all thought he was going to turn, dating back to NXT, was. This guy is a badass heel. He would be an awesome heel champion. And now he's like an I don't give a F face who's just going to beat people up. People want to see him people's ass. Exactly. And you want to see the the conga line get its ass kicked. You want to see Noé Jose get its ass kicked. And the crowd was eating out of his hand. It was awesome. But again, it was just weird as part of my list of weird. Um, that all of a sudden you have him doing a catchphrase right. and not just a catchphrase where he's doing it with the finisher, but on the mic, he, I don't, it didn't even make sense. It's like Drew McIntyre. It's three, two, one. And I'm like, okay. But the thing with Roz lately, BC, and I, I
1: specifically come to you with this, cause you'll know what I'm talking about. Paul Heyman in the past years has done a fantastic job with this show, but as you and I remember from our ECW days as youths. Sometimes Paul can get in his head a little too much. How many times? As
2: great as ECW. is, him. I watched every episode of ECW late night at 2 a.m. In, in, Adam, it's in South Florida.
0: People can have opinions and they can stand by him. It's 20. No, no, no. Right? I just It's
2: like you, BC, you and I will remember. I watched ECW just as much as both of you guys. In fact, on last week's show, Jack, I brought up how Paul Heyman, everything he's doing Dude, is pretty much could like his fucking You've told me before ECW. you never got to watch ECW. I watched every episode of ECW. In fact, I think I have a entire thing box. Of ECW tapes for me taping it on my VCR because I 2 a.m. Well, that's, that's, anyway,
1: my, that's my fault. Point, but point still stands.
2: He gets he gets in his head sometimes.
1: He gets a little too full of himself. He's the greatest of all-time I mean, bookers. There's, 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 there's no question about that. I mean, Jack, he may have Vince in his head, too. we got to understand gets, that. No, no, no. no, no. B- Brian Campbell, That the way I, I get when people see wedding angle, they think Vince McMahon. But the way in which this wedding angle is playing out screams Paul Heyman trying yeah, to just do bad too TV. much. That's, that's my it, problem. It I mean, Paul trying to do a little too much. It's uh, very
2: similar to the Beulah angle. This is what I was kind of saying um well, last week's show. It's very similar to, like, what was it, Beulah, Raven? Who was the other one? Like it, it, It's right, very similar to that. Yeah,
0: yeah, it makes me want to play this soundtrack.
3: And a beautiful portrait is painted with their
2: bodily... Fluids. What you would guys, be what, what would be worse? Cain Velasquez eliminating Brock Lesnar or Lars Sullivan eliminating Brock Lesnar? What are your thoughts on
0: Lars Sullivan's bodily fluids?
2: Yeah, I will, I will scream for Kane Velasquez. Is that a, is that a <laughs> no? Is that a
1: Jack No? Is that a Jack No cell right there? You, pay, you you're
3: gonna come in my, on my back all the
0: time? Is that what you think? I mean, come on. You guys see any good Lars Sullivan movies lately? Right. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, I, it happened. What do you want me to do? Um, uh, all right. Here's the, I got another thing I got to say about Raw. Uh, you know, I, I thought, again, I thought it was a. I was entertained, but I thought it was a Raw of the past two months, which, again, if you're comparing to what the direct that we saw, that's pretty good. I mean, they mix in some the action is, is so, solid, solid, solid action. And, you know, the, the angles are hit or miss. But I see Becky come out. I haven't seen Becky in a while. I don't really know where she's at. And good God, that's a cringe promo. And yeah. then they book her with Lacey Evans's one-punch knockout power. It was so lame. And I didn't even get into how lame it was the last time I watched WWE that they turned Lacey Evans into an unnecessary face ahead of tribute to the troops just because of her background. They've ruined her. From the main event level, that uh, potential that she had, you guys don't agree, but you're wrong. In 2019, 2020, you can have that opinion, but um, no,
1: I, Becky's going. No, Adam, no, I was the only one who said I like Lacey is the face. Adam, yeah. you you guys both are opposite. Yeah, me. we're going
0: to leave. No, that. she's, she's like too
2: the- she's too good as a heel to just be a face just because Bailey's champion. Uh, Jack, we're going to leave that
0: take in 2019, but um, <laughs> um, I mean, I hate to harp back on this, but where we were a year and a half ago with Becky and the potential that she had. And they watered it down through Mania. And then after Mania, you know, again, I'd love that, that bet, the Becky Sasha feud was my second favorite feud of the year. I mean, that was, I loved it. Where is she right now? Cause I haven't been watching and I don't feel like we're in a good place.
2: Well, no, it's just like with Rollins. They, you know, they put them together because they wanted to capitalize on that storyline. It watered down Becky. It was totally unnecessary. They ran out of challenges for her because she beat everyone. And they're making a smart decision in booking Asuka for this because it is the hill that she hasn't climbed. Asuka did beat her one year ago for the SmackDown Women's title at this event. So it makes total sense. But I think Dave Schilling actually tweeted this, but it's totally true. It is so dorky and unnecessary and weak and lame For a baby face to come out to the ring, start talking about something, and then say, check this video package. She's the best female talker in your entire company. Let her cut a hardcore promo, have Asuka come out, have Asuka do what she did, which was fine in Japanese. What was
0: uh, was almost as lame as when she had apologized to the McMahons uh, at the the WrestleMania. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I was.
2: I was okay with the punch cuz she punched her in the throat it wasn't like Alicia Evans like knockout she like uh, disabled kind of her a little bit it
0: was kind of but, the chest and shoulder you know it was, it was basically like
2: the other the other thing is just I think what we forget a lot is in the build to re- last year's WrestleMania a large reason why it was so female focused was because they were in the middle of this women's empowerment evolution that was their theme of the year number 1 and number 2 because they had Ronda Rousey if Ronda Rousey's not there, WWE has, is proving to us they don't care as much about the women's division. Not that they don't care. They do. It is elevated. It was elevated before Rousey, and it's been even more elevated since her. Uh, we saw with the Becky, Sasha, Helena Cell match. That was a great match. How often are we actually going to, would we have gotten that three years ago? We probably wouldn't, right? But without Rousey, they don't see the women as main event ever. And it was never more apparent and, than the last and couple of months.
0: boy, did they ruin Liv's comeback. And you have to understand the anticipation I had. I would risk it all for Liv. Of course, we know that. But the anticipation I had that she would come back and be something, that she would be the fiend's sister Abigail, that, that, that all this social media buildup would matter. And, and now she's like Lana's ex-girlfriend, and now she's going to team against her. Like, get that ish off of my timeline. Get, I mean, uh, like when I watch uh, that, it's like
3: I shut this stuff off.
0: I, I, Jack, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. I love uh, Liv too much. I, I can't do this.
1: I, I said last week, BC, my big problem with live is that, especially when she did the mic work last week, uh, like of that, of everything that angle was that was negative. I pointed out last week on the show that live's mic work was so great. She stood out as just a star, and that's where my problem is. An angle like this could be like, – Liv is just better off on her own. Like, she didn't need this. She didn't need to be the ex-girlfriend of Lana and now the Rusev's little manager. Like, not a permanent manager per se, but, I mean, at least – for She didn't need any of that, especially with how great those video – those vignettes were, leading back to her return. And then she comes out, she's really great on the mic, improved as a wrestler tremendously. She didn't need this. Like yeah, this was, I I, this and thing. I still stick by. It. This was the
2: wrong move for Liv.
0: It is. It really is. I, uh, I, mean, I don't.
2: I, I don't totally mind. I really don't think it's that terrible for her. But terrible. and I thought that her her promo, quick promo backstage, was good last night I, would, night.
0: I actually thought, and I love her. I thought it was cringe, except for that that soundbite that i did at the end she had a weird It just i don't know i, I can't i can't see her go down this road to to average uh, like she had a chance there the way they had they set up her exit and the way that she sold her own exit in the interim this was supposed to be something
2: before we get out on raw just i think john Cohn is like one of my five favorite referees if you even can have a list of five favorite referees yeah, that's, that's but awesome. that andrade mysterio stopping that match i've never seen it like it was weird. There are a few worse referee decisions I've seen than that. I don't get it. I would love one day to find out exactly what was in his ear. It seemed meaningless. It seemed that they wanted Mysterio to sell more. So they're going to stop the match mid finisher for that to happen. If I'm wrong, if, if he thought he had a concussion, that's one thing. But I don't think that's what happened. I think like Vince was yelling in his ear, he needs to sell more. And Cohn listened to him and literally broke up a finisher. I, I can't accept that. It was horrible. It was offensive.
0: Jack, what do you think is in Eric Rowan's bag? Is it May Young oh, man, What do we got in there?
1: I don't know, and that's what I love. Is it the yeah, Goblin no, Booker? Now, granted, we are, we are headed down a road where when that cover comes off, we're probably going to be wildly disappointed. Oh, of course. But- Especially after they made the guy bleed. I mean, that was awesome. But yeah, but- I will give that week after week, they have made me interested in what is in that cage, whether I'm going to like it or not. I want to see what's in that cage. And then, I- yes, last night with the the guy... With the job or running away with the after being spewed with the blood, I'm like, all right, what's in there? what's in there?
2: And Credit Mojo, who's largely bad, we got to
1: get can we get this guy more TV time? But he's, no, but he's,
2: no, 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 but he's largely bad from he's largely bad from an acting standpoint. Pretty good job when he got a peek in there. Like it, it, it was the mo- it was the best thing he's done on TV in th- two years. Basically.
1: Brian, do you do you have any theories? On do life? you? Uh, I don't, but do you? On on what? On who? On
0: what? On what's in that cage? Um i'm prepared to be disappointed i'm sorry i am i i'm a hundred percent all are i have. But... i it's to the point that i actually don't have a, a take or a guess i mean it feels like there's an animal in there but uh what are we missing what are we not thinking about what could it be i mean it's uh it, that's starting to rack my brain yeah.
1: I, I don't know they
0: got me to care and that's how you do it like that like there's that that's good storytelling so we'll see uh We'll see. I don't know, guys. I, I, okay, I'm going to give it a chance in 2020. I want to love Raw. Not just like it. I want to so, love it. I want to love this version of storytelling. But it just may come down to what wrestling I want the most and what I want somebody to give me. I want a little more serious. I don't, I don't want to take away the room for comedy. I want to see fights. I want to see people strive to win something. I mean, when Kofi won something, it mattered. When Becky won the same night, it yeah, it didn't matter. You know, make it just to
2: move just to move over and kind of talk about the couple other bigger stories of the week before we before we get out of here. Uh, Jack, Smackdown, because you did uh, see it with me. I know B.C. read about it. I had to stand Um, in for the recap this week. You did. You did. And I think I watched it with I think I was watching it live. Yeah, you were with me. Memory serves. Uh, I've never seen a night of comebacks before like that. (laughs) Randomly, the first week of January, we got Seamus, John Morrison and the Usos all back in the same show. And if I'm being honest, I thought the Usos return was great. It made sense saving Roman Reigns. If they actually finally officially give us a bloodline faction with or without Tamina, with or without Naomi, that would be great. But who knows if they're going to do it? Um, The other two, I was totally disappointed. You had Seamus cutting these great promos uh, and vignettes backstage. Um, It seemed like he was going to come back with a vengeance instead It was an identical comeback to, I think, his 2015 or 2017 comeback. I forgot which, where it looks like he's going to save a face and instead is still healing, bro, kicks him. And then you have John Morrison, whose return you've already blown by breaking it on backstage and discussing it ad nauseum. You have him return in a backstage segment away from the crowd who can't pop for him in the Miz's locker room. So do you agree with all three of those? Uh, Are Hero for the Uh, Usos, zero for the other two, or do you have a different opinion? No actually um well
1: obviously usos love like we've wanted this we wanted the bloodline to get back together but like for a meaningful feud for a while now love them with roman that should always be like that love that especially to close the show that was great sheamus's return i didn't hate so much because number one i'm happy he's a heel because that could have went either way i mean he those promos were vague in the sense that he could it could he could have been one or the other comes back as a heel But I like the fact that he took out Gable because his promo centered around SmackDown has gotten soft. So he's picking on the shorty guy. That's why I like that one. Okay. Morrison, zero. But let me emphasize, it was a zero from the moment they announced his return on backstage. You ruined it there anyway. So when people were going, oh, how could you do that? I'm like, why do you people care so much? They already ruined his return on a Tuesday night show at 1130 p.m. Mm Mm-hmm. So what does this matter? Like what? It, it It's already gone. So why are you making a big deal out because of it?
2: Because even though you, because <coughs> even though you announced that he signed, he could have come out to save Miz from a beatdown. He could have debuted in the Royal Rumble, which is only three weeks away. There are so many ways to debut him in front of the television audience. Because don't forget, I say this all the time: only a small portion of WWE fans watch backstage, and another small portion keep up with all the storylines ad nauseum on Reddit or Twitter or whatever. That is not the general audience. So it still would have been a surprise or a big moment to a lot of people. Instead, now, you know, he's back. What is his debut going to be at this point, right? His first time his music hits, is it just going to be, Oh, Hey, here's John Morrison having a match. Welcome back, John. Whereas two years ago at WrestleMania, you had the Hardy boys debut or return. Um, to this huge reaction now he's not the hardies he's not jeff he's yeah not I, was Matt. Just gonna say, I, I know i i understand this but when you have the royal rumble these days and there's only 30 people in and you have three brands and your surprises last year were basically nil for the men you have an opportunity to have his music hit and people yeah. to get excited and instead it's just hey he's backstage in the mrs locker room and
1: that's you know every every fan is that, like that just I didn't care. I, I really didn't care. When he popped out the door, I went, oh, cool. All right. So they're going to pair him with Miz. He's on SmackDown. That's great. That That's lovely. But love the Usos. Sheamus, I have a soft spot in my heart for Sheamus. I, I've, you know, the guy's taking a lot of flat Got a soft spot in my heart for the guy. I love him. I love seeing him come back and nice skirt, kicking people fella. in the face. Yeah, I'm all here for Sheamus. You will never hear me say a bad word about that man. Love that he's back. Uh, that was good. But the the Usos, that was great to close the show. Because, like I said, uh, this SmackDown was better than a lot, and they've been bad. But this episode was better than it's been in recent weeks, and that was a perfect way to close. Where they were going back to, they were teasing you with, "Ah, we're gonna get Roman with the dog food again." We know you guys hated this, and the Usos came out and said, "Nah." Yeah. See,
2: and it seems like, and it seems like they had planned a six man with Rude. Obviously, he's suspended, but it seems like their plan was to go Bloodline versus those three.
1: Oh, well, Rude. So, ten. What, a few days he'll be
0: back? Right. It's
2: Hopefully. been that yeah. long already, so... Yeah.
0: How are how are my Wednesday Night Wars? We hot? What's going on? Here? Uh,
2: so NXT, the last two weeks, uh, has done an award show, and then they were completely off. AEW was completely off for Christmas. They had a show this Wednesday. Uh, it's your choice. We can talk... I don't know you haven't watched it yet. We can talk about it, or we can save it maybe for next week's show, talk two episodes of AEW. And I don't know, BC, if you saw the final real NXT of 2019 with Rhea Ripley the title match. Yes. If you have okay, you have. So maybe we can do a state of NXT and AEW next week or Jack and I can go through a couple headlines right now. It's completely up to you. This is after all, State of Combat with Brian Campbell.
3: I run this show around here, not you,
0: Jack. Um yeah, I got to give them credit for that moment with Rhea Ripley. it, it, it obviously made it matter and they have put their uh, their their chips in the in the in the right in the right hole, if that makes any sense. Not really. Probably the wrong phrasing. um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh no, yeah, yeah. Have you have your State of the Union uh another time. We we can't you know, we're trying to keep the the, the minutes down here. But um I the steak was so good, guys. The steak was so good this weekend. So I wanna kinda get a quick update. This is something I care about. I wanna know your top five Pom for Pom best wrestlers in the world right now. Because I don't even think it's Japan recency bias. How can you watch those matches and almost not have all five be Japanese? And how much are we going to dot Kenny Omega for just not being Kenny Omega anymore? Because
1: there's a man who's still living and breathing. His name is Brian Danielson. Yeah. You can't beat that. This This man is so good at what he does. And I said, Brian, listen to me. He is so good at what he does still. After almost 20 years, Brian Danielson is so good at what he does. He's my number one. Hey, the man is the still the best wrestler. You think he's it's the best insane. wrestler in the world, Jack? I if you put Brian Danielson in the ring with any of those guys and said Brian, oh go, yeah. he's going to go. Yeah, it's I don't I don't
2: it's I, craziness. Okay, Brian, how good he Daniel still is. Daniel Bryan is, is great. Now,
0: Daniel Bryan lives this ish. He's great. <clears throat> Promos great. I don't think. He's on the exact and we're splitting hairs, but on the exact same level as Okada, Ibushi and Naito, who I think are I the, think I and, think and in, Os, is, in Osprey. I, so I think those are the four best wrestlers in the world in order. And I maybe his, maybe I put Omega at five on the, based just on the legend of Kenny Omega at this
2: point in his prime. He was he's the way the style of his wrestling now is purposely toned down to protect himself. Mm-hmm. So you can't take Daniel Bryan last three years and say, you know, this guy that we see in this match in a protected style with The Fiend or even with Kofi. And listen, I think people, I just recently rewatched Brian Kofi. It's an incredible match. It was oh, underrated from a star's Brian perspective. Brian sold. Too. Brian brought the heat on that one. He, he brought, yes, he did. So you you can't tell me that even the reduced Brian with Abushi or Okada or Osprey, maybe not Osprey because there'd be a lack of flips from Brian, but you can't tell me that guy could not put on a five and a half star match or a- better. You may not get a level of Okada Abushi, but you're gonna get a hell
0: of a good match. I don't disagree with you. But what I'm essentially asking is what's your pound for pound list? Right now, you know, if this was MMA or boxing, it would be like right now in the moment you mix together accomplishments with recent with what they've just done with their ability. Like in order, I think the best wrestlers in the world right now are Okada, Abushi, Naito three, Osprey four, Chris Jericho five. Right now. Daniel O'Brien's certainly in that next group. But I don't know how anybody from WWE... I mean, Adam Cole's right there. I mean, Johnny Gargano is right there. Is anybody else cracking your guys' top uh, five? Because you're you're, cert- you're, you're you're certainly, when you're going to put these Japanese, Japanese guys in there, you're certainly recognizing that they're not having a weekly show in your face and you're not getting the same promo work. Uh, but I have I, the same
2: top three with Bryan and Cole in the last two spots. Osprey six. Right there. Omega's then, still
0: gotta be there. And
2: Omega's in top ten. He's he's he just needs to he needs to wrestle and be cut good promos and be involved in good storylines. I can't I can't put him there. He is there. Omega Kenny Omega's a top five wrestler in the world, but you can't be there if you're not present. And he's not present in greatness. In the in the realm of greatness today, he is not present in it.
1: You can't be there when you just want to be a video game nerd on your television
2: show. Yeah. Right. Uh, I More, a bigger question I and I, I assume jack agrees basically with my list maybe or at least with the top four maybe he's a f- different five but there was a high a hot debate coming out of our last show jack and mine when we talked all decade and you didn't get a chance to weigh in so we don't really need to go in all of the directions but maybe it's breaking a tie maybe you have your own guy bc who is your Wrestler of the decade for the 2010s.
0: Uh, it's funny. We had Steve Austin on the show and I asked him that and he said Brock Lesnar. And up to that point, I didn't think it was Brock Lesnar. And then after really hearing his point and going through it, it's Brock Lesnar. He's the, he's the, he's the, he's the wrestler of the 2010s. And I think, uh, even though I threw his name in there originally, AJ Styles, I think is number two. I think after I've, I've gone back to the well, uh, AJ's Roman cool. Reigns and Daniel Bryan, right friggin' there Kenny omega yeah. right around there in in my opinion although the sample size on the highest level is much shorter uh did either of you argue against brock for that top spot
2: we didn't argue against him i said brian i jack did you say brock i don't I remember said, he, I, uh, he I said, said brock. brock i didn't argue with him i said that's a good choice there's no argument um i gave reasons why i thought brian might have edged him out because brock you don't see him as much He's booked the strongest, so he doesn't have an opportunity really to not be booked strong. The only time he wasn't was Rollins. Everyone else he's beaten. So if if it's a temporary guy, but the positive for Brock is this: business freaking picks up when that bell rings and Brock Lesnar is in the ring. And Big Match Brock, no idea what's going to happen. You often know he's going to win, but you don't necessarily know what's going to happen. And I
0: want to bring up something no one ever says: Big Match Brock, guys, Brock freaking delivers. When the when the when the lights are the brightest, I know that, Cena gets it, that reputation, and I know of course you can pick out one you know one or two. Well, Brock didn't bring it that time, obviously anybody you can, but I mean I don't care if it's Goldberg, I don't care what it is, you know, put him in there with people he wants to be in there, obviously like Styles and Bryan, and he'll he'll deliver the same. But I mean, has Brock not has Brock ever gone out there and 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 laid an egg so bad that you're like, damn, he ruined that moment? No, no, it's the guy. So what we're the, essentially the saying,
1: Brian. Is remember, yeah, he's doing the WCW versus WWE, you know, the other dream matches. So, if we're talking big match, so what we're saying is we need Cody Rhodes versus Brock Lesnar to happen. <laughs> That's essentially what we're saying here because those are the two best big match wrestlers in the business right now as far as making that's, a match. That's, you mean- Cody versus Brock needs to happen.
0: Oh. Three-star right Cody God. according
1: to 2019 Adam Silverstein?
0: Yes, yes, indeed. indeed. Well, hey,
2: I, I the other thing I turned around heavily about and j- that Jack and I have talked about recently is my tune has changed on Cody. I am entering 2020 as a cody fan wow, are, there we you, go. are you
0: all in adam i'm all in yeah all I'm, right.
2: I'm, I'm not i'm not yet brandy all in all but right, i, Brad, I I'll never know. but but i have but i have heavily i think he has drastically improved post knee surgery his in-ring ability and there's no questioning his promos you can't One of the you can't best argue the
1: guys promos. you'll ever meet huge hog
0: but Indeed, indeed. All right, that's the show this week. I'm not here to talk about an NWA. I'm sorry, I don't have enough time in my life. All right, I'm not here to talk about NXT. I, it I, is I what it is. Weeks. I gave Japan your, my hey, time. What was
2: your guys' What was your guys' overall feel spot moment from the last two weeks? Let's say uh,
0: the the call of Naito winning. Uh, oh, it, the, Naito. Yeah, yeah, the call. Uh, that, and the I mean, I don't want to
1: go with the, it's uh, Naito.
2: Just joking. Yeah. Uh, I'm there. I'm there too. But I would be lying if a close, <laughs> close second was not Buddy Murphy beating the. Hell out of Alistair Black on Raw. That was pretty freaking awesome.
0: Good moment there for Buddy. But uh...
2: the upgrade Kenny Omega. Yeah, I'll say it again.
1: I'll keep saying it. Buddy Um, Murphy is better than Kenny Omega. Deal with it.
0: You know, I want to close with a thing I've said a lot. Said before, say it once more. I I don't know how it couldn't be true, guys. NJPW at the highest level when they're playing the hits. Nobody plays them. Nobody plays them like that. Um, How do we get the food to taste like that? All the damn time. I don't know. I don't know about this revolution. I don't know where we're going. You can like different kinds of wrestling. It's 2020. But guys, have you tasted that freaking steak? Thank you, Wrestle Kingdom. Thank you, NJPW. Thank you, performers. Thank you for saying what needs to be said. Thank you. Thank
1: you. You didn't think Gato hooked the leg? You're rude,
0: Gato. We trust. Wow. Wow, freaking wow. A
3: sequel has been written to the Shaka of Osaka!
0: I mean, it, just, it just doesn't get any better than that, guys. That's the wrestling I could show people. The people that think wrestling sucks, that's actually the wrestling I could show people.
2: Also, just, just don't forget, again, is always good all year. But it's only that good. Really, three times a year in terms of the build to that moment. So their highs... Are so much higher than maybe anyone else except a top end NXT storyline, really top end NXT storyline. But they deliver when the it matters. The rest most. of the year, it's good matches, but it's just not really compelling anything, or available.
0: Well, I almost like it. I almost like that they don't piss me off. I, they don't overload
2: no. my schedule but well. that's what I'm saying. But that's part of it also, Brian. If you watched only New Japan, you would find things you don't like that are annoying to you that you think are stupid or bad booking yeah but, but the best of the best is done correctly he doesn't Gato does not screw up what is most important and that that's is the, the case.
3: best of the best oh, so. of the best of the best of the best that
1: this world has to offer
0: rock's not wrong guys
1: all right
0: Neither speaking, of, it, speaking
1: of wrestle okay. Kingdom and tying it in you guys got to give kudos to Kevin Owens for what he did last night that sneaky bastard. Oh, he the Liger.
2: The Liger. Uh, the Shote.
1: When he did the Shote. Thank you, Liger. It's like this guy always finds a way because he respects him. Like, the, like all right, when Big Show did cut, did you see the smile on Kevin's face when Big Show's music? He was like a little kid. That pop is not for me. I'm sorry, Jack. You got you gotta to stop. <laughs> you
3: gotta, you gotta stop. You got to stop. You got to stop.
0: That's the end of the show. At State of Combat on Twitter. At Silverstein. Adam. At Jack Crosby, straight up, right? CBS. Jay
2: Crosby, CBS. Jay Crosby, Crosby, CBS.
0: Don't follow me. You don't want my hot takes. Uh, guys, check out the rest of the what state of combat has to offer every week. All the box, all the MMA you can handle. Pro wrestling in and out of your ear holes. For Jack Crosby, Adam Silver King. My name is Brian Campbell. Thank you for listening to me talk about wrestling. I have nothing else to say to you. Goodbye. We out.